You are listening to the Mom Halo Podcast. This sweet ear candy will serve up laughs and aha moments as we talk to best-in-class thought leaders. These folks are dropping gems of genius. I'm Melana Kapitz, CEO and founder of the Mom Halo community. I'm a fun, fearless, freckled mom with three wild kiddos. I love to introduce you to ideas and people that will rock your world all while laughing out loud because that is the only way to get through the daily grind of parenthood. Plug in your earphones and let's get to them. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mom Halo podcast. I'm your host, Elena Capitz. I'm super excited because I have a rock star in our studio today. She's actually a Mom Halo scholar that we haven't gotten to see that much this year, but we're going to get to see her now. Let's give a warm welcome to Farah Mohammed. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Farah, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Pick us okay. Up. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Farah. I am a mom of three, uh, two twins uh, that are two years old and a five-year-old as well. Uh, so very, very uh, fun times uh, on the home front over here. Uh, and I am the manager of industry and stakeholder relations with OMBIC, which is Ontario's vehicle sales regulator. And what we do is we regulate vehicle sales across the province and uh, we uh, provide resources and information to individuals who are looking to purchase their next or new car. I love it. So Farah is our uh, official car buying expert. Um, Farrah, when somebody is calling you right now, what's like the number one thing that people are asking? What do people want to know right now? A lot of people are asking about inventory, right? Because at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, inventory was short, but that had to do with more of, you know, an issue with regards to COVID. Right now, we're seeing a huge supply chain issue. Uh, So that is uh, that predominantly has to do with, you know, the economy. Um, There are not enough or as much new vehicles that are currently in dealerships right now. So if an individual is looking to buy a new car, what a lot of people don't know is that, you know, you're going to be waiting quite some time because of the supply chain issues uh, that we're currently faced with. Uh, So something that we often get asked is, you know, what are the wait times uh, right now? in today's economy when it comes to buying a new car. And we're hearing that, you know, the wait times are between, you know, five to six months in some cases. But dealers are doing a really good job in communicating that with anyone who's waiting for a car um, and, you know, providing them with the, 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 the updates that are coming down from the manufacturer. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the talk of the town is like, it's a really interesting time for car buying, right? It's like people can't get the cars that they want and I believe what I read online, maybe I saw it from Omvik, but like secondhand cars are now the most expensive like they've ever been. Talk us, walk us through what's happening in the ecosystem. Yeah. So because of the supply chain issue and there's not enough new vehicle inventory, which we hope to see that rectify within the next year or so. Um, but that makes uh, room for used car sales. So there is a lot more interest in used car inventory because the, those vehicles are readily available. But because there's such a high demand in used car inventory, um, the 
prices for used vehicles are, you know, substantially higher than they would typically be. Um, not to say that used cars are not available. They are. A lot of people are selling or trading in their used for something new. So the inventory is out there. Um, but you are going to see a difference in pricing. Um, and, and, and to be honest, when you're buying used, you know, you still have the exact same protections that are available to you even more so. Uh, than when buying new, right? Because you have the opportunity uh, and the right, uh, for that matter, for the dealer to tell you anything and everything um, concerning the vehicle that you're about to buy. And they have the resources basically at their fingertips to find out anything to do with the vehicle's past use, history, and or condition. So, you know, if you're on the fence, do I buy new? Do I buy, buy new uh, or used rather? Uh, I think that it, it's all up to you. If you're willing to wait, you might uh, prefer to buy new. But if you're looking for something right now, uh, used are available, but they go quickly, right? So if you see something on a dealership's website today, call today, inquire today, take it on a test drive today, but make sure that you're aware of your rights, right? Like make sure that you're aware uh, that the dealer needs to provide you with certain disclosures about the past use history and or condition of the car uh, before you sign the contract, of course, because in Ontario sales are final. Once you sign a contract with a dealer, whether it be for a new vehicle or a used vehicle, sales are final. There's no cooling off period in Ontario. So if you, for example, left a $5,000 deposit on a used vehicle and you go home today and you have, you know, regret, maybe you speak to your partner and they're not really supportive of this new vehicle purchase. Unfortunately, that buyer's remorse won't allow for you to cancel and the dealer can keep your deposit or claim their true out-of-pocket expenses from your deposit because you're signing a sales final clause at the end of the day stating that you're aware that you know sales are final uh, unless the dealer fails of course to provide certain legal disclosures okay so let's walk through let's talk about what omvic actually does sorry let's talk about omvic actually does and let's talk about our rights as a buyer Okay, so we're Ontario's vehicle sales reg regulator. We register dealers and salespeople across the province of Ontario. Uh, we assist with consumer complaints. So uh, in the event that an individual has a, a complaint from dealing with an OMVIC registered dealer for free as a free service to that individual, we can offer free conciliation services to you. Uh, we inspect dealerships as well. So we go into the dealerships, we look at their books and records and make sure that they're in compliance with uh, Ontario consumer protection legislation, uh, particularly those pieces that we enforce. Uh, and we investigate and prosecute any industry misconduct or illegal sales. Um, and illegal sales come um, from what we call curbsiders, which are illegal unlicensed dealers. Um, and uh, they often pose a huge threat to the general public by the vehicles that they sell and just being dishonest completely. Uh, and we also administer and enforce other consumer protection legislations on behalf of the provincial government. So that's a little bit about what OMBIC does. Um, and 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 I, I really want to key in on the key protections that are available to consumers yes. if and when you purchase to buy from an OMBIC dealer, which is all dealerships should be registered with OMBIC. Okay. Um, and that is that you have right 
um, or access rather to our compensation fund, um, which is um, the, the, the fund is um, paid for by dealers uh, through their renewal fees or the registration fees. And it provides compensation to consumers who may have suffered a financial loss from dealing with a registered dealer. Um, and it's up to $45,000 worth of protection that would be available to someone who's tapping into that fund Obviously, they'd have to be eligible in order to tap into the fund, but it is available and accessible to individuals who purchase from a dealership. If you buy privately, unfortunately, that that uh, fund cannot be tapped into because it's funded by registered dealers and not by private uh, individuals. Um, you also have the right to all-in price advertising, which is one of our key messages that we we really try to promote to the public. And that's because when you're looking at an advertisement, first and foremost, when you're looking for a vehicle, you're going to look at advertisements. And in Ontario, when a dealership is advertising a price for a car, that price must be all-in with the exception of HST and licensing. So any fees, charges, services that the dealer plans to tack on to you or charge you, they need to include that in the price that they're advertising. Otherwise, it's illegal. Walk away, give us a call, we'll take it up with the dealer. Um, this has been in practice for well over a decade now. So we don't want to see, you know, dealers you know, violating this rule, but we are seeing it. So that is probably the, the first most important thing to understand when purchasing a car and, and doing your research is understand that you have the right to all in price advertising when a dealer does um, advertise a vehicle. And we have multiple resources available on our website as to, you know, what to look for, uh, along with our contact information if you have any concerns. Vera, why don't more people know about the OMVEC? Like, why isn't it like a regular thing that people do and know about? And I think I think it's truly because we're a consumer protection organization and we're arm's length of uh, the provincial government. So, you know, some people might think that the government actually regulates vehicle sales, but we're a private organization at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, people don't necessarily think that there's a regulator that governs car sales or motor vehicle dealers. Um, what we have engaged in uh, over the last decade, but, you know, more intensely over over the last two years is a specific consumer awareness campaign dedicated to OMVIC's brand to alert consumers to the fact that OMVIC exists, uh, dealerships are regulated. If you purchase from a dealership, there are protections available and legislation that can protect you. So um, we, we embarked on a consumer awareness campaign this year. Uh, and in the spring of 2023, we'll, we, we will be embarking on a new one. So you'll see a lot of our advertisements on you know, social media, YouTube, um, radio and television and in print as well, just to get our messaging and our brand out there so more people can be aware of us. Yeah, I completely, I completely, I just like, I think I'm in shock about the fact that people don't know about OMVIC or the fact that when I met you was the first time I even heard about it. Like, it's not a generally known uh, body. 
Yeah. And, and to be honest, I didn't know about OMBIC until I bought my first car independently. Um, and unfortunately, my first car purchase, there were issues with it. And I had to research as to how to rectify those issues. And that's when I came across OMBIC as, as an organization and the tips that they, they had to offer. So a lot of people don't come to realize that um, OMBIC is a body there to protect you until after the purchase is made. What we're trying to do is get ahead of the public so that they're aware of us before so that they don't end up in a situation where they were unaware of their rights or, um, you know, that they bought a vehicle they wish they could cancel and now cannot. Uh, so, and, and we also, I mean, in the last two years, we haven't been out and about as much as we'd like to. Obviously, we were at Mom Fest, which was a great opportunity for us to be, you know, out there in the public, just, you know, relaying our message. Um, and in 2023, we will be ramping up a lot of our uh, events. So going to more trade shows, uh, for example, um, after a two-year hiatus, the Toronto um, Auto Show, the Canadian International Auto Show will be taking place from uh, February 17th to the 26th. And OMBIC will have a booth at the auto show just yes. to, you know, inform consumers that we exist and that our resources are are free as well. So I love that so much. Now let's talk about our mom listener. She's about to purchase a car. She, let's say she has two kids, three kids. That's where I find people are finding to make a purchase. Like they need to like, they have more than one kid and they need to up. So let's talk about what is she asking? What does she need? Talk us through the process of what is she buying? What's the best thing on the market? Go for it, Vera. Okay, great. So I can't get brand specific or, you know, obviously like a, a vehicle has to fit your specific needs. And at the end of the day, what we say is a vehicle has to be fit for your individual or your family use. Um, so first and foremost, you want to be able to do your research. Research is the most important thing to do, uh, whether buying new or buying used. Research is key um, so that you understand you know, what to look for, um, or, you know, if there are certain, you know, manufacturer recalls on a vehicle, do your research. Um, so when you're ready to buy, you've done your research, uh, you want to determine if the dealership is registered with OMBIC, first and foremost, right? Because if they're not, something goes wrong, then, you know, you, you don't have those protections available, right? So you could go onto our website, ask the dealership if they're registered with OMBIC, they should provide you with a, a registration or licensing number. Uh, so that's key. You want to make sure that they're registered with OMBIC. Uh, you want to budget yourself accordingly. Okay, so you want to make sure that you're not just considering the cost of the vehicle and your monthly payments. You want to consider whether you're going to have to pay parking fees, um, your insurance, um, future maintenance. You might want to consider buying an extended warranty. Consider, you know, if you if you frequent going to the cottage all summer long, um, your gas mileage as well. Um, nowadays, a lot of people are considering, you know, do I do I buy electric? Uh, do I buy hybrid? Do I, you know, buy, you know, regular combustion engine vehicles? Um, you know, they're, they're still available to be sold, obviously, but by 2023, the provincial government plans on, you know, no longer, uh, selling new, um, internal combustion engine vehicles, which are your gas guzzlers that we're driving today. Uh, so you want to determine that as well. 
And you also want to make sure that you're checking competitive ads and the prices associated with that. So for example, you're looking for a Toyota Sienna to accommodate your whole family. You're looking for a new, a, a used one because new, you don't have six to eight months to wait for your new, new Sienna to come in. Uh, you want to make sure that if you're looking at competitive pricing, don't go for the lowest, right? Because if you see a price and the, the majority you're looking at $20,000, but you see one for 15, that should raise some red flags that there might be some issues uh, with regards to that particular vehicle. Okay, so that's that's uh, one of the, the number one tips. Uh, if you have a trade-in, Try to determine what the trade-in value might be of the vehicle so that you can budget yourself accordingly as well. Um, right now, you're getting a pretty good uh, return on your trade-in because uh, used vehicles are, are in demand right now. Um, and you can also consider not even trading it in and selling your current vehicle privately because when you trade it in, you get a wholesale value, whereas when you sell it privately, you're getting that retail value. Okay, uh, so that's something else. Um, if you're buying new, you can also try to find out what the dealer cost of that vehicle might be. Um, so, for example, if you know what the dealer cost is, it gives you more negotiation power. Uh, and you can find this through utilizing some other consumer protection organizations such as Car Help Canada or the Automobile Protection Association. You also want to make sure that you understand if you're financing, understand your credit worthiness, um, specifically uh, learn your credit score, right? Because when you're shopping around for finance offers, um, you know, it's based on your approved credit at the end of the day. So having an idea of what your credit is like going into that purchase is also uh, very, very imp important. Um, if you have an existing balance remaining on your current car and you're trading it in, you need to understand that that remaining balance is going to go on to the cost of your newer car. Okay, so that's what we call negative equity. Um, and it, they're basically putting you into a longer term car loan for minimal payments, but you're paying it over a course of like seven, eight, maybe even nine years. So by the time you're done paying for it, your next car or the car that you just purchased, um, it's worth a lot less than what you ended up paying for at the end of the day. So just be aware of the dangers of the long-term loans um, and the depreciation of vehicles as well. Uh, consider leasing. If you and your family like to have newer vehicles more often, leasing might be a good opportunity for you. It's basically a long-term car rental, um, but it's hard to get out of a lease agreement. So whereas when you're financing, you can sell your car, you could trade it in at the dealership, no problem. It's really hard to um, break a lease agreement. So let's say you lease a vehicle and uh, it's for a two-year term, but within one year, you and your family are moving outside of the country, um, but you still have this lease. Uh, you can sell it to a leasing company to sell it on your behalf, um, to find someone to take over the remaining balance of your lease, uh, yeah. but it is pretty, pretty difficult. I think as a consumer, like I never really understood what leasing meant. Like to me, yeah. that was a long-term rental. That's what I understood. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. It's a long-term rental. You're giving it back at the end of the day. It's not even put in your name. It's still within the leaseholder's name. 
Um, and, you know, a lot of people do um, do leasing because they like to be put in a newer vehicle more often. Uh, a lot of students we find who uh, are coming into um, do two to four year programs lease vehicles because that's within the time frame that they've um, that they're able to study. Um, but and, and you will find that lease payments also are a lot less. So they're more attractive and affordable than financing or buying a vehicle um, outright. And it's not just like, I mean, leasing is just as good as financing um, or just as good as um, purchasing in cash. You just have to make sure that the way that you're purchasing is right for you and that, that you understand the contract and the terms of the leasing contract when you do sign, because you could be expected to pay return fees. So for excess wear and tear, kilometer allowances. So if you agree to only pay tw uh, drive 25 kilometers per year and you go over that, you will have to pay um, to, to have, um, to, to return that vehicle with the excess kilometers being driven on it. You also want to make sure that the salesperson understands your You're needs. You're blowing my mind. I did not know any of this. I had no idea that's how leasing ran. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? It's like, I, I think that, um, a lot of people don't know, uh, about leasing. It, there's not a lot of information out there. Uh, we do have uh, a lot of information on our website about leasing. Um, we don't get a lot of complaints, to be honest, about leasing because people end up fulfilling their terms. Uh, a lot of leases are coming back right now because at the beginning of the pandemic, lease agreements were signed, two years lease agreements. Now they're, you know, coming back onto uh, the sales floor as the lease returns. Um, so if you are looking to buy a vehicle and you know um, of, you know, a lease return that, uh, that uh, might be coming uh, to a dealership, that might benefit you as well. Um, something that really resonated with me when I was buying my, well, when I had to move from my car to my SUV to accommodate three car seats, that was probably the most important thing to me when I was purchasing my next vehicle. Cause I had a car, I had one kid, it fit the car seat. We were fine. Um, but now all of, all of a sudden I have, you know, twins and I require three car seats. Three car seats don't fit comfortably in the average vehicle. No. Um, the, and it's, it's, it's tough. Even, even in an SUV, I found it pretty tough. Um, so if you have to accommodate car seats, um, you know, bring them to the dealership. If you're test driving cars, you know, try to fit them in or put a stipulation on the contract that says, subject to car seats fitting so that if you take it home and your car seats don't fit, at least yeah. you can get out of the contract because that was a stipulation. Um, I think you put stipulations on a car purchase. And that is very important. You can put stipulations. So even though I mentioned that in Ontario, there's no cooling off period or cancellation policy when you buy from a dealership because you're signing that sales final clause. Um, you you basically, um, you, you can't cancel. There's no cooling off period. The dealer can claim their out-of-pocket expenses from you. Um, so that's why we do urge consumers when they're signing a contract to put a stipulation uh, in the comment section. Every contract has a comment section when you're buying a car from a dealership. And if you put, you know, I, my, my husband does this every time he shops for a car, subject to spouse's approval. 
Oh, I'd say like it's the best it's the best thing to do because you know you you want to you want to secure that vehicle you put subject to to spouse's approval down you go home you discuss it it might not work out at least the the contract now supports your cancellation because wow. you know you you and your partner discussed it uh and 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 it might not work um some other uh uh references um uh, on your contract would be to also put subject to translation Every contract in Ontario is written in English. Yeah. With the amount of newcomers that we've seen across Canada, let alone in, in Ontario, yeah. um, you know, we have a lot of newcomers putting that stipulation on their contract saying subject to, you know, translation in Tamil, right? right. So that if they go home, they get someone to interpret it. It's not uh, what they understood. Then they, yeah. they, they can cancel that as well. So it's really important that you add any of your conditions in writing before you sign. And that gives you the power to be able to cancel and expect. Sarah, your like, how do people not know that? How is that not common? No, my husband is just listening to you and he's like, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, and and the, the funny thing is, so like now a lot of contracts are done electronically. Obviously we're in a digital world and a digital age. Um, but I mean, I, I'm from the era where it was like you know, paper contracts all over the place. You have your pink sheet, your yellow sheet, your, your white sheet, right? Yeah. At the back of every single contract, there is information about OMBIC and that OMBIC exists to protect consumers and so on. Um, but yeah, not a lot of people know that we exist. And like I mentioned at the beginning of this chat that, you know, people don't realize that we exist until something goes wrong. And we don't want that. We want people to know that we exist now so that when they're going to buy, they can, you know, go to our website, get all of this information to give them, you know, the, the power when purchasing their, you know, either second biggest purchase or nowadays even biggest purchase in their adult life. It's crazy. It really is like the biggest, I mean, my husband and I have had, each of us came into our marriage with an existing vehicle that we had paid fully on. So okay. we had two owned vehicles. And that was my other question is like, when you go through your assets, somebody will ask you about your assets and ask if you own a car, if it's owned or leased. And every single time it's been a benefit to ours to like have owned vehicles. But now do we lease our car? No, baby, we own our car, right? We own the minivan. We own the minivan, but we do make payments on it. We have a very small outstanding balance on our minivan, but we paid almost all of it. Yeah. Uh, so you basically own it, right? Because you're not leasing. Yeah. But like, I, I don't think I ever understood, even like I've owned now probably five cars in my life. Yeah. I didn't understand. I really didn't understand. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it, there's a lot like I, I, I made sure that, you know, when I bought my first car, I thought that I was going into my, my first independent car purchase, like ammoed with education. I thought that, you know, all the power to me, I knew what I was doing. Uh, and then, you know, I found that I, uh, ran into an issue and my issue was that, uh, when I went to buy my car, it was raining and, you know, I researched the car online um, and I went to test drive it, but it was raining and I really needed a car and I liked this car. I wanted to secure it. So what I did was I went into the dealership, test drove the car, bought it, but I noticed that there was an inconsistency in the paint coloring uh, on the back bumper. So I asked them about it 
And they said, well, it's raining right now. So it's really hard for you to see any inconsistencies, but, you know, just sign, 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 sign. Um, this person's here and they want to look at the car. And like, this was more than a decade, well over a decade ago, um, that, uh, I had, I, I had embarked in this first independent purchase. And so I, I, I signed the contract, I put a deposit down. And when I went to pick up the vehicle now, mm-hmm. I noticed that there was still that inconsistency in paint. And I said, like, what is this? Um, and it, it, it didn't sit well with me, but I, I purchased the car, I signed the contract, and I was just picking it up. So I took it home. And it, it literally looked like someone had, you know, used sandpaper and sanded down the bumper. So then I was doing my research on, you know, how to cancel and, and my rights as, as a consumer. And that's when I came to, to find Ombic. And in Ontario, when a dealer is selling a vehicle, especially a new, newly used vehicle, um, many times those vehicles could be a previous daily rental. And dealers are obligated in an advertisement and on the contract to disclose if the vehicle was previously used as a daily rental, never owned by a private individual. This dealer did not do that. Now, that does allow for the contract to be cancelled within 90 days upon picking up the vehicle. It does allow for that, and that's within the legislation. There are six items that will allow for you to cancel, and that is if they don't disclose that it was previously used as a daily rental, police, emergency service vehicle, if they get the make, model, model year wrong, if the the odometer is broken, faulty, rolled back, is in miles and they don't substantiate why, Uh, and as well if the vehicle has been branded as like salvage or irreparable and they don't disclose that. Those are the only six items that will allow for you to cancel and get all of your money back. Um, But I wanted this car, like I really wanted this one car. So I was able to negotiate Knowing this information now, you should have disclosed this to me. Had you have disclosed this to me, I would have never bought this car. Um, but they put me in something comparable of equal value to what I, I had just purchased. But that was the resolution that I was looking for. Um, another individual might want to cancel, right? Another individual might say, you know, just give me back some money because I paid X amount and I shouldn't have paid so much for this. Um, so it gets, so knowing your rights gives you that negotiation power as well. But I could have also contacted Ombic and had them mediate and negotiate on my behalf, right? And that that's a free service that we provide as well. Is that how you came to the to the business through that story? So I can't, so I knew about Ombic. It's funny that you asked that. I knew about Ombic. And then I'd say probably about a year later. Um, I had seen a friend of mine had just, you know, started employment uh, with this organization and yeah. we we just started chatting and, and that's how I got my foot in the door. But, you know, yeah. because of my personal experience with my first car purchase and really understanding the value that this organization has to offer to the public, um, it, w- it was super beneficial and it just it just seemed like a natural fit for me to start working with this organization. And here I am, you know, almost 13 years later, still, still preaching the same message. Wow. Cause you know, the product, I mean, you know, the product and service so unbelievably well that it's, 
it's apparent to me that you obviously have been there and have sort of breadth and depth of what they're able to do. And obviously it came from a personal story. So tell me about, um, does OMVIC have any, uh, like I know that auto trader is really big. Is there any way that OMVIC can be a governing body to help somebody navigate a private purchase or is that not an option? So we do have information available to help you navigate a private purchase. However, we can't um, negotiate if, you know, something goes wrong between you and a private seller. So first and foremost, when you are um, looking for a private vehicle, you want to make sure that you're dealing with a legitimate private individual that's selling their legitimate private vehicle. Um, because you don't want to fall victim to what we call curbsiders. And curbsiders are illegal, unlicensed dealers. They pose as private sellers, but they're actually in the business of buying and selling cars without the benefit of registration with OMBIC. And they do this so that we can't provide that oversight and govern them. Um, and the vehicles that they're, that they typically sell, um, are, vehicles that have substantial accident repair histories shouldn't even be driven on the road, um, were previously written off, uh, severely flood damaged in, in some cases. Um, and some curbsiders have even received jail time um, from uh, OMVIC, you know, prosecuting and investigating um, illegal vehicle sales. So you want to make sure that if you're buying privately, not to say don't yeah. buy privately, you can yeah. buy privately. I've, I've purchased many vehicles privately in my time as well. Um, but you want to make sure that you do your research. Uh, you might want to purchase a car proof or Carfax report rather, um, which is almost $30 uh, if you buy it online. Equifax, it just tells you the, the history of the vehicle? Equifax will give you not information about the vehicle, but like your credit. Uh, you could try the used vehicle, in, well, not try, uh, private seller is obligated to give you a used vehicle information package pertaining to that vehicle. And that's purchased through the Ministry of Transportation. And the used vehicle information package will tell you about, you know, where the vehicle was previously registered. Um, and uh, it will give you information on the kilometers, etc. cetera. Uh, yeah. But your, your, your car facts report is probably the best report that you can pull it because- Car facts? Car facts, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, they've got multiple different reports. So you could do a report just to see if you, if there's a lien on it. Um, but just do the general report and it will pull up information pertaining to accidents, police reports. So your minivan might, uh, might have a, a car. If you pull one on your van. Yeah. I know, you, Matt and I were just talking about that, that we'd have a hard time selling it because of the police report. Yeah. But, but it was recovered. Right. But that's right. a mandatory disclosure now. So if you go to trade your V, your van in at a dealership, yeah. when the dealer goes to sell it, yeah, they have to disclose to that next purchaser that it was, um, stolen and recovered. Right. That it's is a disclosure that they have to make. Yeah. But I remember just talking about that. He's like, shit, man, if we ever want to sell the car, we have to disclose that it was. <laughs> yeah. 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 And what happens is when you go to trade in a vehicle, they give you a form to fill out about, you know, the history of the vehicle, but they have to obviously pull their own resources too. Cause not everyone's going to be completely truthful because they want to get the best bang for their buck too. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they do have to disclose that to the next person. Um, and it, and it could, it could depreciate the value a little bit, but that's more so when there's damage associated with it. Yeah. 
Tell me what a title rebuild is. So a rebuilt is when a vehicle has um, it's uh, been in a severe accident, right? Uh, and then it was um, considered salvage. So the the Ministry of Transportation or the insurer will brand it as irreparable, salvage, rebuilt, or none. Um, so irreparable means like never going to happen. This is done for going to the wrecker. You might be able to get some metal for it. That's it. Um, so you got irreparable, you've got your um, rebuilt. Uh, so that's basically a vehicle that has sustained severe structural damage, um, but it has been brought back up to roadworthy standards and it has passed the particular um, uh, structural and safety standards testing in order to be driven back onto the road. Yeah. Uh, so that's what a, re a rebuilt vehicle is, is something that, you know, was in a substantial uh, accident and they've brought it back up to standards to be driven onto the road. And dealers do need to disclose that to you. If you're buying a vehicle that was a, a rebuilt vehicle, um, that is one of the main disclosures that they have to make. And if they don't, it will allow for you to cancel. Right. And I guess as a consumer, buying a title rebuild is not necessarily like a bad thing. You just want to know that the car has been previously in an accident. Exactly. And it's just so that like if there's any inconsistencies, um, you know, if it's a newer vehicle that's been rebuilt, the manufacturer's warranty is likely going to be canceled because it's it sustains such severe damages. Um, so a lot of information is now triggered to be disclosed if it is a rebuilt vehicle. You'd want to know it too. And a good way to figure out if you have a specific brand to your vehicle is to look at your ownership. And in the top left-hand corner, you will see the brand to your vehicle. Typically, it says none. But if it was uh, branded as salvage, irreparable, or rebuilt, it will be noted on your ownership. I love that so much. Fair. This is like such a deep, deep topic. <laughs> it is. I could spend hours talking about this. <laughs> I feel like you need like a car buying expert podcast where it's like every episode is like taking one of these topics super deep with people's stories about their car. And I think people love cars, right? Like why do people love cars? Like what does a car mean for folks in your opinion? I, you know what? I think that a car, it's, it gives you freedom. It gives you independence, right? It gives you that sense of, of ownership. I mean, obviously when, when I purchased my, my first vehicle independently, like it was the, the biggest purchase I had made. So it was a sense of pride too, when, when I was purchasing my, my, my first car, but some people purchase based strictly on necessity. Right. So for some, for, for me, a car means that independence and that freedom to, you know, explore, whereas some people are purchasing it because they need it to survive. It's part of their everyday. At the beginning of the pandemic, they actually shut down dealerships completely um, and dealerships had to lobby very, very successfully in order to get them uh, to be considered um, to be to, to operate because, you know, nurses, frontline staff, they need vehicles to get from point A to point B. And if they can't buy vehicles or have their vehicles serviced, 
um, then, you know, the hospitals aren't going to have any staff at the end of the day. So, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, buying a car and being able to buy a car and access vehicles is so, so important. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I appreciate that now in today's world, we are able to work from home. Um, but, you know, when you when you buy a vehicle and, and it really does help with your credit. Um, your credit in into the future, and and for some people, they would prefer to purchase a car over a house any day, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And that's why we exist. And and uh, for those of you who are who might be unaware, um, it's not just vehicle sales that are regulated across the province, right? If you buy a house, there's a RICO, um, and RICO is similar to OMVIC, where they govern you know home sales across Ontario as well. So you know when you're buying anything that has a big ticket um price associated with it is yes. likely regulated within Ontario. It's so funny you say Ontario. Can I just ask you talked about the cooling off period. Does that exist in other provinces where you can like buy a car and return it if you don't like it? Does, uh, is it like yeah. Ontario? Yeah. So the, oh, wow. there there are cooling off periods in other provinces. Um, in Ontario there is not one. Uh, the provinces that are most similar to Ontario would be BC and Alberta when it comes to our rules and our regulations, whereas Quebec, somewhat similar. Um, if, if, if I can explain it, it, they, they have more oversight than anything out in Quebec because they regulate manufacturers as well, whereas in Ontario, we don't regulate manufacturers. So that's where a lot of confusion lies too, where we get complaints from consumers and they're, but they're looking at a manufacturer's advertisement. And because it's um, being displayed nationwide, we don't have any oversight with regards to, to manufacturers. Um, so, so that's where a lot of consumers get confused. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm just, I was just curious about that cooling off period. I remember the first time I bought my first car, which was 10 years ago, I bought my first and only car off a dealership until I bought my minivan and feeling such a sense of pride and in it, but also like it was a reflection of me. Somehow this like car was like this extension, like of, of my identity of myself. And to this day, I still have that car and I still feel that way. I love it. I love it. I, my first car, I actually sold it to a friend. Um, I really wanted to keep it so badly because I felt the same. I felt the exact same when it came to my my first car purchase. Um, and the, my husband, he has his car, which he bought as a quote unquote family vehicle. Um, and it clearly does not accommodate our family anymore. Uh, but I won't let it go. I won't let it go because that was like one of his, it was his first um, car purchase of his, one of his dream cars. I'm like, no keep it because when I saw mine go, it was, it, it broke my heart. Uh, but I, I want to ask you, does she have a name? Uh, well, my first car ever had a name. It was white lightning was my first car. One time. My Fiat, we call just called the little white Fiat. Cause it's like a, it's just a little Fiat. And I remember it like for a long time, where it's like, though, this is our no kid car. I have two car seats now in the back of my Fiat. We yeah. had it for 10 years and it's a great car when it's just me and the kids, you know, um, yeah. we're just tooling around. So uh, we have the Fiat and the minivan, which is just so also such opposite vehicles. And, uh, you know, I, I love the Fiat so damn much. And I always think about selling it. And I noticed on Auto Trader, the Fiat used to go for about $5,000. Now it's up to $11,000 for the yeah. same car. Yep. And that, and that's it. That's exactly it. Like you could trade it in. You're going to get wholesale value at the dealership level, but you could also sell privately, which a lot of people are doing because they realize that they're getting more, a better retail value for their used stuff. 
Here, why don't you to kick us? Why don't you wrap it up? What's the like, one? What's the one piece of advice you want everyone to hear today? If we hear nothing. Else? I'd say the number one piece of advice is when you're buying a car before you buy, understand your rights. So, you know, understand that OMBIC exists to protect you when you buy from an OMBIC registered dealer. You have access to certain protections, such as, you know, you have the access to the compensation fund, which provides you with $45,000 worth of protection if something financially goes wrong between you and the dealer. Of course, you have to be eligible. Uh, you have right to all in price advertising. So when you're looking at a price that a dealer is advertising, that price must be all in with the exception of HST and licensing. Um, you have the right when buying used for a dealer to disclose all information pertaining to that vehicle about its past use history and or condition. You have cancellation rights if the dealer fails to meet certain legal obligations on that contract. Um, however, if you buy privately, unfortunately, um, we can't, we, we won't be able to assist you. Um, and, and also when you are, you know, looking to buy a car, something that's also really important is if you're looking to finance, um, just, just understand your credit worthiness and understand that when a dealer is, um, offering a finance offer to you, um, oftentimes they're going to be presenting offers that may have a financial benefit to them as well. So they might be receiving a kickback for, you know, getting financing through a, one institution over the other. So just understand first and foremost, your credit worthiness and also understand the rates that may be available to you um, before the dealer presents them or ask the dealer to present you with all of the rates that they're able to access, not just the ones that benefit them. Um, like I mentioned, curbsiders pose a, a huge threat to the public. So if you're going to buy privately, just make sure that you're not dealing with a curbsider. Some tips would be, you know, ask to see their license and compare it to the ownership. If it doesn't match, whose vehicle uh, are they selling? Are they asking you to meet in some shady area? Yeah. You know, like in a, in a parking garage or at a gas station, they refuse to, you know, meet you at, 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 at a more publicly um, well-lit area, for example. Um, and, and go to OMVIC's website. I'd say that that is the key. We have a plethora of information available on our website um, down to car buying guides. I know I was handing them out at MomFest, um, and I'd be happy to send you some more if you'd like. Um, but our car buying guides are available on our website and they literally go through all of this information that I've shared with you today. So, you know, um, checklists on, you know, making sure that everything is ticked off when you're receiving your vehicle, uh, understanding all in pricing, negative equity, um, and so on. So go to our website, onvic.ca and click consumers and you'll find all of this information, including, you know, videos and tutorials. Um, and we also provide translation services in more than 150 different languages. So wow. if, you know, English isn't um, your preferred language, you can just ask to be patched through to our translation services. Uh, and uh, that's, that's at no additional charge either. Oh my God, Fair! what education today. Uh, people want to find you or Omvic, how can we find you? If you want to find OMVIC, visit omvic.ca, O-M-V-I-C dot C-A. And if you do have any questions, I would love to be able to answer that. But I would urge you to uh, reach out to consumers 
C-O-N-S-U-M-E-R-S at omvic.on.ca. I love it, Farah. Thank you so much for your time today. Farah, Muhammad, everybody. Thank I learned you. a lot. Everybody learned a lot. So thank you so much, Farah. We'll see you <laughs> soon, everybody. Thank you. Have a good Bye. one. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mom Halo podcast, I'd love your support by sharing it with others, posting about us on social, or leaving a really good rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mom Halo. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.